I'm not anti Halloween by any means. Like I enjoy all that stuff. And I think the decorations are cool and they look cool. And they, Kate, like, I'm not like anti Halloween, but I am kind of, as you mentioned, sort of at that stage of my life where there is no dress up, you know what I mean? Right. Where I'm not, and I'm not that interested in dress up. And I feel like that makes me like, like people look at me, like I'm like bah humbug when I'm like, no, I'm not wearing a costume this year. I'm in my forties. <laughs> no, see, I think that's totally normal. Like, I don't even know if I wore a costume the last couple years because, you know, Griffin wasn't old enough to care. Um, but, you know, now he's over three and a half and very excited uh, and fully a- aware of and understanding of the uh, impending candy situation, which is trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's you got you got problems coming. I mean, we went to the fucking zoo today. He's off school for parent conferences. So we're uh, we're doing a nap time podcast right now. But we went to the zoo this morning, and they're giving out candy at the goddamn zoo. Like, uh, you can't get away from it. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's everywhere. And the candy is everywhere. I'm not, and, and not and the, the thing. Yeah, and the thing with the kids is like, I don't feel like I'm the strict. We're not the strictest parents in the world. Like, they get sweets sometimes, um, but you want to be in more control of it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and you don't want to be the parent. Like, just because you don't want to suck, but also because, like, it's not the best feeling for your kid if they, like, watch a procession of children get candy bars and then you're like, nah. Nah. You know? Yeah. It's just, it's like, it feels mean. And, uh, yeah, so so this is going to be a hectic week because on the other end of the candy is the candy crash. And, um, you know, it's not pretty. Yeah, glad I won't be thinking about any of that stuff. I'll just be yeah. buying a bag of candy, one bag of candy for the trick or treaters that, let's be honest, I know are not going to arrive. Right. But and then, just ah, shucks, you're going to have to take care of that yourself. Oh, well, I guess all these paydays and Snickers are coming my way. Um, oh, paydays and Snickers, huh? Yeah. Big yeah. peanut and caramel guy. Yeah. Yeah. I feel I mean, like look, uh, I can't argue with that. I, I, I like caramel better than for peanut. Me, the Snickers are more art for them, but you know, in the end, they're both for me, right? Sure. <laughs> but you go, you actually prefer it without the chocolate. I do. Yeah, the pay, payday is my jam. Payday I think that's is a my hot jam. take. It is a, uh, you know, like the Snickers. Yes, it has peanuts, but you don't really get like salty vibe from the Snickers. That's like true. the payday gives you that salty sweet combo. Oh, yeah, Boy, you man. came to the house a couple weeks too early because I just made a salted caramel sauce and some uh-huh. salted caramel apple like crumb bars that are out of this world, my friend. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. I yeah. love salted caramel. Yeah, love it. Yeah, next time. Right. Next time. <laughs> yeah, you just, have, you just have to let me know your eating schedule, and I'll, I'll book my flights accordingly. Um, <laughs> all right. I mean, you might. I like. I I don't rule out that that could be true. That's true. Uh, do you uh, you want to start with culture this week, or do you want to start with the challenge? This is a hard decision. I have things I want to talk about on both ends, um, but maybe let's go with culture because I just last night, you know, less than fifteen hours ago, watched Raymond and Ray. Okay. Um, and. This is a strange movie and a movie that I think, you know, I think we and and not just we have talked about this zone of just a 
movie for adults that's not anything but a movie for adults that doesn't maybe exist as much as we might like anymore and this is in that zone and I loved it it's weird I can't say exactly what it's about beyond sort of a a meditation on adulthood and death and life it's quirky I laughed a lot and it's anchored by just an incredible Ethan Hawke performance and a strange Ewan McGregor performance. I, I love it. Strange, but a little bit hyped, I thought. You know? A little bit uh, what? From Ewan against hype, I thought. Yeah. Well, very different. And and I don't know if it, it's... I mean, it's a little against type because he's just a weird sort of... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Nebish almost? person um he's, he's pretty bottled up yes. you know what i mean and occasionally it spills out yeah but but i actually thought more than a more than like a against type character it just felt like a he made some very specific choices about the way this guy expressed himself it, it just like his manner of speaking and the way he carried himself physically was very specific and <laughs> The accent came and went, didn't it? The accent wasn't great. Yeah. I mean, if you didn't know Ewan McGregor was from the UK before this film, um, you'd have a pretty good idea by the end of it. Uh, but, and and like he did, like he, did you notice how much he said Ray's name? Like Ewan I don't, McGregor. I didn't actually. He's the Raymond character and Ethan right. Hawke is Ray. And. He's constantly saying Ray, Ray, like just like before every time he talks to him, he addresses him by his name, which is bizarre considering they are half brothers with the same name. You'd think they'd use it less. Um, yeah, not but, even half brothers, as it turns out. Right? Yeah. Or, or so we think. Or but but we don't even know. And that's the other thing: we never meet the father, right? So we right. don't. It's hard for us to judge whether the father, you know, turned a corner and became a good man and was trying to show his his estranged sons that or if he was literally just trying to mess with them from beyond the grave like, i think and, it's like the, i think it's like the girlfriend uh says to to well now i'm confused about right it's raymond yeah <laughs> where she's like you know he was uh he was a, a bad father to you he was yeah. a good father to my kid he was a yeah. bad lover to your mom he was a good lover to me you know and i think that that's it's like all of those things can sort of exist in in a person, particularly in a man who is you, you're you're seeing like was curious about life but really never figured it out. You know what I mean? Like loved women but didn't understand them. Kind of like, um, you know, had all of these yeah. sort of things. Was kind but was also a seeker, racist, right? The, the, yes, <laughs> so, yes. Was a racist yeah. who loved everybody. I think is the is the phrase that she used, right? Yeah. And. I think that, I mean, and that ultimately is what the movie is about. Like a person can contain multitudes and through, I think, I think sort of through, you know, journeying through the multitudes of, of this dead man, we get to know the, the weird multitudes of all these other characters, all of whom are really generally bizarre, but very interesting people. Uh, and I'm, and you know, I think that goes from, Ethan Hawke and, and Ewan McGregor straight down through the weird Jewish fraternal twins that show up 
at the like two thirds of the way through the movie. <laughs> it's uh, who are, who happen to be acrobats. I mean, you can't. I was gonna say you can't make this stuff up, but somebody did, and I found it to be thoughtful and delightful and perhaps not you know groundbreaking or blockbustery or any of that stuff but just a a movie for adults done beautifully yeah i think you you really uh, put a a good voice to that um to that feeling because i really liked it too um and i think maybe maybe it is a little bit because it sort of exists in that space like it's a movie where Obviously, we're talking about it. Some weird stuff happens. There are some quirky people in it. But other than that, it's it's pretty plausible. You know what I mean? Like the way you know the way the movie ends. I think is like it. It's the way things happen in life. 100%. You know what I mean? And uh, y- you know there there are these things. There are relationships that you sort of point to that you sort of think are going to happen that don't. You know what I mean? And like. Um, these things that just sort of exist in life. And I found it to be, uh, moving. Uh, Relatable is the wrong word because it's not my particular situation, but I just found it to be an interesting story about an interesting people really well acted. And, um, yeah, I, I, I liked it quite a bit. I went back cause I, I did fall asleep for a minute. So I actually wound up watching, kind of watching it twice, uh, to get the part that I missed. <laughs> so, um, and found it enjoyable both times. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm definitely with you on this one. Yeah, I, I just and and Ethan Hawke, man, that I, it, I found myself thinking, gosh, I haven't seen him since we watched that John Brown miniseries, and that's a shame. <laughs> I, I, I want more Ethan Hawke in the world. Um, I have a feeling he's just like chilling on his ranch in Santa Fe, not interested in much, but. I'm going to correct you because wasn't Moon Knight after John Brown? Oh, that's right. He wasn't Moon Knight. Yeah. Um, God, but what a what a what a hell of a trio of roles. <laughs> <laughs> it sure was. I thought this role like could have been his reality bites character. Yep. 100%. You know what I mean? Like twenty twenty years later. Yeah. You know? I mean, there's probably five Ethan Hawke characters years later now. Jesus. Yeah. First of all, that's the right age. Second of all, it. it there's probably like four or five young Ethan Hawke characters that this could have been, you know, yeah. it could have been the dead poet society, uh, Ethan Hawke. Um, he's, I just, I, he's a magnetic presence and he is an actor who makes you feel the emotions of the character with great consistency. And yeah. I love watching him. And he doesn't he doesn't really say a lot. It's not like he's mute or anything. Like he definitely talks in this movie. He yep. doesn't say a lot. No. He's really doing a lot with his face. A whole uh, lot with his face and yeah. a whole lot with that horn too. It it almost made me wonder if he was playing trumpet. I don't think he was. But it looked good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's that great scene in the jazz club where he's like psyching himself up to join in, you know? Um uh, that I thought was uh, he played really interestingly. Yeah, uh, and that that's without a word. I mean, he really this is a great, uh, a, just a great performance by him. And you know, if it was, I don't know what. I literally have no idea how to figure out what qualifies for the Oscars anymore. But I, if I knew, I would suggest that this might be an Oscar-worthy performance. Yeah, I don't. Well, 
I mean, Coda, Coda was Oscar eligible, right? So I don't. <laughs> is, yeah, is no, that, it was eligible. I'm just saying, like, I it it makes there's no rhyme or reason to me anymore about like what gets through to nominations and what doesn't. I will say, uh, it, it did. It, it has not generally been getting great reviews. It is yeah. not not fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. No, I know, and I'm confused by that. Like, I don't have the time to read the reviews, <laughs> but. I, I I really want to know what the hell's wrong with the people who didn't like it. To be totally honest, yeah, I don't know. It just but, doesn't uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. News critics in there, so you know that's that's what you're looking yeah. at. Yeah, but you know, you it's know. one of these things where like this is a movie that I feel like should do great on Rotten Tomatoes because I can absolutely imagine reviewers being like, "This was good enough," but that still usually gets you a like a check mark. For Rotten yeah. Tomatoes, you know what I mean? No. Like weekly said, uh, forced characters, or sorry, forced quirkiness and paper doll characters. Yeah, see, I didn't think yeah. that at Secret. all. I yeah. and I feel like the people who said those things, maybe they fell asleep and they didn't go back to rewatch it. You know, like I don't, <laughs> I don't know. But I, I'm not sure if it's distressing or encouraging that uh, how often we find ourselves at absolute odds with reviewers not just on quality but on like how could you say that if you watched the film that i watched you know what i mean yeah more and more with rotten tomatoes i find um and that's a survey right isn't that that's a yeah maybe it's the critics they're letting in um can i can i give you another example of of me being at odds with rotten tomatoes it's from scratch uh yeah yeah um I I only watched one of these, but that it was it was a situation where it was like I just didn't I I I couldn't get myself up for a second one. Yeah, um, I understand. I watched two. Um, it's yeah. It, I mean, it's a so okay. <laughs> this is an example. This is uh, I'm doing some linguistic gymnastics here, but. From Scratch is an example of exactly why it shocks me that uh, Raymond and Ray isn't in the 90s on Rotten Tomatoes. Because this is 92% on Rotten Tomatoes, and I think I understand why. It's a, I think, well-done and well-acted romance novel on screen. So... It's a- it certainly has some talented people. I just, it just, just you know, it just seemed really genre-y to yes. me. Like, like if you're, if you're, if you're into these sort of romance novel, uh, you know what I mean? Like, exactly. Uh, Bridge over Madison County, Bridges exactly. of Madison County. Like the what was the the one with the. Uh, oh man, it's in Italy. Um, oh, uh, you're not thinking of the Prince of Tides. I know exactly no, what you're thinking. No, 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 but it's like, yeah, it's what the, it, like there's an Italian city in the name of it. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, one of those. Yeah, um, Knights of Rodanth. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it could be could be Knights of Rodanth. I don't think Rodanth. I don't know. But yeah, you know what I mean. Like, um, look, if, if that's your thing, I like, I get it. I just didn't see what it had to offer so much beyond that. A hundred percent. But that's my point. Like, yeah. I can understand reviewers watching that and having essentially the worst review it gets be it's not really for me right which i think is essentially what you're saying and i i mostly agree with that like it's i'm not going to finish this um i get it love is 
difficult and beautiful and ugly and all those things. And uh, it can happen in Italy and also in America. Um, I get it. The English patient, right? It's it's a it's an Oscar winner because it's it's the most exceptionally well done version of the romance novel on screen. Right. Um, I have no time for the English patient and no interest in it. <laughs> and I think from scratch is similar, but I can understand why it's at 92% because it's not bad and it's not poorly executed. And I, I like, I think it works essentially if that's what you want. Yeah, and that's yeah, what I'm I, saying with yeah, like, I this is the reason why Raymond and Ray's lower rating is so confusing is because like, I can understand if you're like, you know what? A talky movie about adults and life and death. It's not really for me. But I can't understand watching that and being like, ah, the characters are flimsy and the story doesn't hold together because I just think you're wrong. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know? <laughs> I'm with you on that. And likewise, if you told me that you liked from scratch, like I wouldn't be like, ah, come on. What do you what do you what do you mean? You know what I mean? Like I could, I could see someone liking this. Right. Um, and you'd be not- like, I get it. You like a romance novel, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, they exactly. probably do. And that's OK. Yeah. <laughs> uh, But no, I mean, I'm with you. This is just, it is an overly sort of flowery dwelling on the, you know, whatever the pretentious sentence that they wrote in the treatment would be, like dwelling in the beauty of small moments of love, you know, something like that. Um, And it it does all that stuff. And I think the acting is good. Uh, I, you know, Zoe Saldana is incredibly charming. Daniel Deadweiler is excellent. I like the Italian guy. Um but at the end of the day, I have better things to do with my time. Yeah. I kind of like Keith David as the, the, the you know, dragon will pop. Keith David does his thing, man. Yeah. You cannot <laughs> find Keith David in a film not doing his thing. <laughs> All I just hear is commercial voiceover guy though, when he pops up. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, look, dude, that guy is as successful in the general acting business as almost anybody. He's had an incredible long career. He's been in every animated movie and plenty of non-animated movies. And, like, for all of us who know and love Keith David as Keith David, um, there are thousands of people who are like, that guy. I love that guy. Yeah. He's, he has never left a project with silverware in his hand, right? Like, he's always adding stuff to the table. He's not taking stuff off the table. You know 100%. what I mean? 100%. Hundred so, percent. Yeah, 100%. and that voice is tremendous. Sure is. <laughs> um, I'm very curious to see um, where you landed on the Watcher. I should preface this by saying we only got to one episode because um, oh. this is one that my wife wants to watch, and and see. you know, we had a lot this week. Uh, so I feel like I'm. I'm almost premature in commenting on it. But I'll say this. It is spooky, mysterious enough. And there is enough like absolute acting flame throwing going on here. That I'll give it at least a few more. Did you uh, because I believe that you brought this up, I think. Yeah, I don't know, but I mean, it's on the front page of just about everybody's yeah. Netflix, I think. Yeah, it's, it's the thing everybody's talking about. Um, did you know it was a Ryan Murphy show? 
not until it said directed by Ryan Murphy at the end. And I will say I wasn't surprised per se, but I had not sniffed it out, which I feel like usually I would sniff it out. Right. Um, I, it, it like many Ryan Murphy things like leaves me a little conflicted. Like it's, I'm fairly engrossed. I've watched three of them okay, and I'll probably, I'll probably keep watching. And yet I don't know that I can say that I love it per se. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I feel a little conflicted about it. Um, I'm interested, uh, in where it's going. It, it can be fairly showy from an acting standpoint, like many Ryan Murphy things are. Yeah, um, but honestly, like, there's showy – the showy of a lot of Ryan Murphy I find to be obnoxious. When your showy is just cranking people like Bobby Cannavale and uh, Margot Martindale and Richard Kind up to 15, I'm here for it. Yeah. Like, Richard Kind is absolutely on tilt, and – that to me is enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, uh, man. Yeah, you gotta watch some more. <laughs> I do need to watch some more. Uh, I didn't even mention Jennifer Coolidge or Naomi Watts, both of whom, uh, again, like all of these people are capable of their own version of like acting hysterics, and they all are walking that path on this show. And so, again, like I probably should have known it was a Ryan Murphy project, but it. I, you know, I'm behind you. I don't know as much about the plot, but I feel very similarly in that, like, I didn't watch this episode and say, God, I love this show, but I am intrigued and it is fairly uh, magnetic in its own weird way. You know who uh, who I'm enjoying in the show that, that you did mention? And it was almost a little bit like Keith David and like uh, you're, you're never upset to see him. Uh, Christopher McDonald uh. as the. As the sheriff, of course. I guess not sheriff. He's chief of police or whatever in this. The town. one and only shooter, McGavin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, not necessarily playing a bad guy, but like a little bit slimy. Like I don't know. Uh-huh. And then you've got um, the uh, um, the British woman who uh, is in the uh, Kristen Milioti show. Um, with the cube and uh, what the, what's the name of that show that we liked? It's terrible. Um, I'm... it's called Made for Love. Made for Love. Thank you. Uh, she's also very good, I think, as the private detective. I, I, I don't know if you've gotten to her yet. I yet. have not gotten to her. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so there's things to like in this show, and yet I don't. It's hard for me to be like it's awesome, but I'm intrigued. So, uh, so I'm gonna keep watching. Yeah. Same page. Maybe we'll circle back on this if anything interesting comes out of it. Yeah, I might like to check in with this later. Did you? Would you say better or worse than the other hot Brian Murphy show, which is Dahmer? Oh, much better. Yeah, me too. I was not sickened by this. <laughs> yeah, and yet it's still creepy. You know what I mean? Definitely creepy. Definitely creepy, uh, but in a way that's interesting instead of disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Good job, Ryan Murphy. Thanks, <laughs> Ryan. Make this one not disgusting. <laughs> um, all right. And that leaves us with uh, from the culture side with uh, Maverick, the Top Gun sequel. Um, you So you have just watched this. Yep. What, what was your expectation level coming in? 
Um, that's a great question. It's what was my expectation level? I guess maybe the best way I could describe it is I had heard such consistently glowing things about it that I was expecting it not to be as good as everyone said to protect myself from being disappointed. Does that make sense? Yeah. I felt yeah. like I had to artificially I yeah. lower my expectations because I couldn't – it didn't make sense to me that it was actually a good movie and also a Top Gun movie in 2022. And, and why, I mean, I think that's kind of – like, it's not really a good movie, is it? Like, I get people like it and had a good time, um, but it's a good movie. It exceeded my artificially lowered expectations. All right. I was not at any point annoyed or bored or confused or frustrated. I found it to be an entirely joyful experience from start to finish. I thought, I'm not a diehard Top Gun original person, but I thought it appropriately and enjoyably evoked the original, and I thought it had... Like, if we're setting the bar at Top Gun from a, like, story and acting perspective, it more than met that challenge. So, yeah. I, like, the people who said it was a better movie than the original, like, I'm not going to argue with you. It certainly is good. And I just thought it was a terrific time. I wished I could have seen it in the theaters. It was, it was... It was a very good action movie that also brought you some delightful nostalgia. I, I wish you could have seen it in the theaters too, because I mean, there's a lot of jet flying, and the, the jet j- flying. It's so good. The, yeah, the jet flying yeah. is so good. It looks amazing. Tom Cruise, like Tom Cruise, sells G force better than anyone I've ever seen. <laughs> Yeah, and look, and I, you know, I think people generally value looks amazing more than I do in a film, um, but it does look amazing. I don't, I don't think if there's anything you can say otherwise. You know what I mean? Um, they used real jets. It, you know, the flying is great. It looks great. Everything that you said is true. I, I felt like the movie um, took itself a little bit more seriously than maybe it should. Like Top Gun, the original Top Gun is kind of ridiculous, and I. I I don't well, know, but I think grapples with that. I, I don't. I don't think. Like you're right about the original Top Gun, but I don't think the original Top Gun knows that. No, it doesn't. But that's so, what I mean. Like, by the time you get around to a sequel, I feel like you kind of, if you're gonna play the nostalgia, you sort of have to like. You know what I mean? Like, there's no. I don't know. Well, you, I think you're gonna put a football scene to replace the volleyball scene. You know what I mean? Like, you got to really play it. Play it at least a little bit for laughs. Hold on, right? but it was fighter jet football, and they had two balls going at once. Come on. <laughs> okay. <fine. laughs> what don't you understand about that? <laughs> no, you're right, of course. But I almost think that like mimicking the the somewhat self serious tone of the first one 
Like, I think this movie knows itself better than the original did. It just chooses to embrace the sort mm. of self-serious silliness. You know what I mean? Like, think about what you just said. There's no way they created this film without realizing the hilarious absurdity of substituting football for volleyball and having them play with two balls at once. Well, it, Tom Cruise is involved in the creation of the film, so it's possible that they were not aware of the hilarious absurdities, right? <laughs> maybe, but I think it works. I don't know. Maybe I'm giving it a pass, but like I think mimicking the tone of the original was a, a good decision. I, I, I don't think it would have played as well if it had tried to be tongue-in-cheek. All right, so can I give you my hot take on, on this movie? Sure. Uh, and this is a, I mean... I shouldn't have to spoiler it, a movie that's been out for six months or whatever, you know. What I mean? but, but I'm gonna anyway. I really feel like uh, Tom Cruise should have died at the end. Yeah. Like it made no sense for Tom Cruise to be rescued. Uh, plot wise, his inclusion in future movies would be his, his inclusion in this movie was borderline insane. You uh-huh. know what I mean? To the point where several people have to point out how insane it is. So there's no way you need him anymore, and it would have been incredible. Like powerful narrative arc if he did not emerge you know what i mean if he sacrificed himself uh but I th- you know they went for the tbz ending and i i did not like it i feel like i feel like tom cruise really should have died i don't actually think it's that hot a take i basically agree with you and my guess is that this was done so that he could be like the uh you know uh, ticket selling cameo in future Top Guns, because it's hard for me to believe we're not getting future Top Guns. Well, it certainly seems like now. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's arguably the most successful Tom Cruise movie ever, which is kind of crazy well, when you think about it. Yeah, I mean, I would not make that argument, but yeah. I just mean from a financial uh, standpoint. Right. Sorry. Yeah. No, I know what you mean, uh, but yeah. 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 No, I mean, uh, look, it's... Uh, it it <laughs> it really did. It It... It drove in the grooves, the well-trodden grooves that the previous one drove in. Um, but I thought they did about as good a job with it as they could. Uh, shout out to Jennifer Connelly. She's uh, great. Who I, who, uh, it was really great. And like, I feel like I just haven't seen enough lately. True story. Um, do more things, Jennifer Connelly. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've seen her lately, but only because I've happened to have watched several of her older films. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Still looks great. Where did you uh, where did you land on um uh on Miles Teller's performance? I think he maybe watched the original too many times cuz it there were times where it felt like he was doing a uh, Anthony Edwards impression. But he was fine. He's a good actor. Yeah, like there wasn't I, much I, to it. I think both of those things are true. I I was surprised at how like uncharismatic I found him, given that it sort of seems like it's you know this thing is sort of set up for him to take the baton at some point here, right? You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, but in a way, like, I, you're right. I I just I do feel like he made that choice. That was a choice. Yeah, maybe, and maybe it was Anthony Edwards' based choice. I don't know. <laughs> well, I thought it was a no. I think I think that's who Anthony Edwards is, and I think he was kind of doing, he was doing a goose, because he. I will say this, just from like a the job you're doing standpoint, it, this movie puts him in a tough position because he has to somehow be Maverick and Goose. Yeah, um, he has to be the guy who's going to be the leader, uh, but. 
he also has to be conservative. So it's a tricky spot. Uh, and they, they clearly, you know, Glenn Powell is doing his best Iceman. Uh, and, man, shout out to Val Kilmer. And and I feel confident. I don't know why, but I feel confident that uh, Tom Cruise made a specific point of getting Val in this movie, uh, which he obviously, like, could only do so much. Uh, and that, that made my heart feel good. So that's cool. It did, but I also sort of found, like, it sort of, for me, even more highlighted how absurd it is that... Yeah, it um, took you out of it a little bit. That Tom Cruise would be in this mission. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, like, like that Tom Cruise character should basically be, like, the Val Kilmer character, right? At this point. So, um... Yeah, he, uh, he, it's strange, uh, <laughs> no matter who he's standing next to, Tom Cruise's lack of aging is bizarre, but uh, next to Val Kilmer, it's particularly dramatic. Yeah, yeah, just it, yeah. So, so I did. I mean, I was happy to see him, and I thought it was cool, but it also kind of it did take me out of it a little bit. I, <laughs> I me too. I just didn't. I like I didn't care at that point. I just felt happy for Val Kilmer. Uh, so you know, whatever. It, it's it's neither here nor there. Really, it really had very little to do with the story. It was clearly shoehorned <laughs> in, and. Uh, I'm glad they did it, even if it didn't totally work. Yeah. But, you know, there's you expect something like this is going to have to do some fan service, and it did. Yeah, totally. Totally. So, look, maybe it's, you know, I don't know if saying it's a good movie is uh, going a little too far, but it, I had a great time. Just a yeah, great it's time. a good time. It's a good time. I don't know if it's a good movie, but it's a good time. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that's where that's where I'm at, and I'm – I'm not against it, you know. Obviously, people love this movie. I'm not. I'm not against people loving this movie. No, you know, not at all. You have to turn your brain off a little bit to love it, I think. But that's okay. People that is like. People like okay. to do. It. <laughs> and yeah, uh, for the record, Jennifer Connelly has been in one, two, three, four films in the last eight years if you don't count five, if you count Spider-Man Homecoming, where uh, she was just a voice. Gotcha. So, I, I yeah. mean, I don't know it or not. <laughs> we need more. We need more Jennifer Connelly. Um, she is on right. that Snowpiercer show. She is. Yeah. She is. I haven't been watching that, no, i got to say. I guess, so I guess that's, I guess that's my mind. We're, we're letting her <laughs> and, and David Diggs down. Um, all right. Uh, do you want to jump into uh, to the challenge, you which I, I, I thought was a, an epic episode of of, of challenge? Um, just you know, and it's just excellent. One of those things where, if you know, the fact that the show has been on so long, uh, and that we've known people like Tori and Jordan for so long. Uh huh. It really pays off here. You know what I mean? Like when you are watching these two have basically the first conversation since they broke off their engagement, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like how often do you see a, like a moment like that on television? You know, certainly on reality television that felt real and true and sad and, and, kind of happy all at the same time like it was just 
I don't like. I thought it was incredible television, and that's before you get to uh, what, to me, one of the greatest elimination setups in the history of the show. A hundred percent on all of that, and obviously, you and anyone who's ever listened to this podcast knows how much I love Tori, and just an incredible Tori episode, but also that elimination when I don't know. What you're so uh, I watched with my wife, and um, when they sh- first showed the elimination ground, w- we were both like, Oh, hall brawl, and then we were like, Wait, but there's like two floors, so that can't be a hall brawl, they must just be like climbing or something like that. And then to have essentially a two story hall brawl now, look, there's some it's not quite hall brawl because there's a little more violence to that, but. I just thought it was kind of a stroke of genius the way they put it together. Um, And thanks to just an incredible turnaround by Johnny, it was also wildly competitive and just about as good an overall elimination as you'll ever see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I really uh, (laughs) – everybody stepped up. Everybody went hard, you know what I mean? And um, Raven lost her shoes twice, two times. Pilots <laughs> was, was like, tie your shoes, girl. Yeah. I will say, I I I called it going in like Olivia was just too much. And so by the time they got to the third round, it didn't matter what happened with the guys, because even if she didn't get the head start, Olivia was gonna beat Raven. Yeah, she thrashed her pretty handily. So I was yep. I was a little surprised. I mean, I, obviously Olivia has a bit of a size advantage, but Raven's like tough. You know what I mean? Like she's done really well in a lot of these challenges. Yeah, and- but Olivia's got a, almost a foot on her and came in hot. Yep. Like when and- I saw the way she reacted, in the end, Tommy and Annalie, like this is ridiculous and not actually my answer to the question, but in a way, you could answer the question of who controlled this game this episode with Tommy and Annalise because <laughs> they effectively <laughs> lost the daily and and got sent into a you know making these deals and decisions inside the elimination chamber that totally determined how everything went. Yeah, well, and all right, so. But, Dude, when they were having those conversations, in my notes, it says, in all capitals, uh, very loud lies from Tommy and Annalise. You yeah, cannot I, go around I, the house lying that loudly. I, I, I want to get into this because I think that there is like the, – the show sort of put this up like they were just – they were doing some Big Brother like master trickery. No. And it's like – to me, this was just this is dumb. This was a dumb move on their part, right? Like wildly y- stupid. Like <laughs> you know, this is you're putting it on film. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Right? Like, you get one just blatant naked double cross in your challenge career, right? You're gonna use it the first time that you might go into elimination. You know what I mean? Exactly. And and by the way, like one of the two sort of overlapping impossible deals they made would have kept them reasonably safe, you know? Yeah. And also, yeah. And also like 
just zero foresight here. Because as you say, I mean, maybe you get more than one blatant double cross in your challenge career, but you're not going to get another one this season. Because <laughs> nobody is going to believe anything you say from here on out. Right. There are also ways to, like, lie and double cross that at least make it seem plausible that you intended at some point to keep your promise, as opposed to making two simultaneous promises that you obviously cannot keep both of. Right. And, like, you could have just gone in there and been like, hey, look, guys, we would really appreciate it if you didn't say our names. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. It's like you're not necessarily – making a deal or making a promise that we won't say yours. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's ways you could do it, but like for them to do it this way and then doing that with the understanding, right. That like, it's quite possible that the team that you double cross could come back. Right. Yes. Like that's, I just, I, I, I just thought it was like, well, that's it, the other thing. Let me ask you this. Johnny pulling that big move in week one before they even know what the game is. Right. Like this is, you're you're already kind of a target because you're the tiniest people in the house. You 100%. know what I mean? So like, yes. And now now you're now your your words worth nothing too. Like it's over for you. They're done. They're very done in this game. And uh, like, to your point, if I'm them, when I, I I'm staring at an elimination that's clearly physical. I'm not saying Kim and Colleen stink. But I'm double-crossing the team that I think has the worst chance of coming back in the fucking house. Yeah. Right? Like, I'm not making my... Like, okay, now I've been stupid. I've put myself in a situation where I got to double-cross somebody. I have to go back on my word on the promise I just made yesterday. I have to. So how do I decide who? Well, I don't do it just by being like, I think I kind of like them better. (laughs) Yes. And on top of that, right... You knew that Johnny and Raven and uh, um, Olivia uh, and Horacio didn't want to go against each other, right? Like, they were tight. So they're going to be extra angry. (laughs) So you're basically guaranteed that the winner is coming back mad about this whole situation, right? Specifically at you. Yes. Yeah. Not just generally upset about going into elimination, but specifically targeting you. Yeah, it would have been such an easy sidestep. I can't even, like, oh, my God. And if they put Kim and Colleen in, they could have gone to Johnny and Raven afterwards if they had won and been like, listen, we knew you didn't want to face Olivia and Horacio, so, like, I get that this wasn't ideal, but we at least did our best to help you out. And, like, ask them to be nice to you. Now you've got Olivia and Horacio who all you've done to them is lie straight to their faces and then throw them in elimination. And they're very good. And there's a very good chance that they will win a daily elimination. You're torched. It's frustrating um, because I do think, right, like up to this point in the game, nobody had really done any lobbying around the safe dagger. No. And I thought that that was a smart idea. Then they just went and executed it so badly. Yep. Yep. Oh, man. Oh, it really it really did bother me. And they literally, <laughs> in this scenario, if they had just never spoken to Olivia and Horatio, they'd be in a better situation right now. Because, yeah, yeah, they would have put them in, but they would have put them in with the perspective of, like, look, we had a deal with Kim and Colleen. We didn't want to put you in, but that's the situation we were stuck in. Sorry. Now there's nothing they can say. Nothing. 
Nope. Um, They've left themselves completely unprotected. Yeah. (laughs) And and there's no chance they're winning a challenge anytime soon. Unless, 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 like, look, if it's a crazy puzzle challenge, you know what I mean, this week, then you know the producers are trying to give them a chance. Yep. Also, if there's a challenge that involves doing, like, um, you know, dancer style high kicks they're going to be really good <laughs> or like, uh i mean we get we get to this now uh, one of my burn of the week uh uh nominees is is bananas going in and saying you know you guys can go in and it can be a who can post the best content on instagram and you guys are crushing <laughs> he was being so nice too that was why it was so good it was yeah. like it seemed like he was literally trying to encourage them. Like he was standing in the doorway of the room as they were getting down on themselves. And he was like, listen, you know, I've had some bad performances this year. Even like, it's not, you know, yeah, how do you think happens, I- yeah. <laughs> happens to everybody? Hey. And then he's just like, Hey, maybe the next challenge will be who can post the best Instagram content. <laughs> and you can, you can hear them go, like, like they were like excited that he was encouraging them, and then yeah. they went, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, it was amazing, amazing. I agree, that was definitely an excellent burn. I already had written down several burns of the week by that point because I thought some of the best burning altogether uh, came around the uh, discussion of Fessel. Yeah. I got a Fessel line, by the way, as, as as a burn nominee this week. So I'm curious to, curious to hear if you do as well. Uh, I do not have any of his lines. Although, when he said Horacio was boyfriend number two. That's exactly the one I got. Yeah, I was like, I oh, just wrote, <laughs> I wrote down that that was just the most quintessential classic vintage douchebag line you could imagine. <laughs> like, it was so very fessy. To view. He's not wrong, though, I think. <laughs> I think he might be wrong about Laurel, but generally he's not wrong. That is Horacio's personality, if viewed from a colossal douchebag standpoint. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, but that's just who Fessy is. He can't help it. And by the way, no one, as Johnny pointed out, and that was one of my burns of the week, like, you want to be Fessel, that's fine. I'm not going to disrespect your heritage. You're still messy Fessy, dog. And it seems like you did this just to try to get people to stop calling you messy fessy. <laughs> and it's not going to work. All right. So I look, you, you know me. I'm not a big fessy fan generally on the, on the show. I, I feel like I'm on record uh, on that. I was moved by the facial stuff. Like I'm not, I felt like, I'm not upset. I felt like that was a sign of maturity from him. I felt like he's actually thinking about, what he wants to represent as a person on this television show, which I think is a giant leap forward for him. Um, I agree with that. And I'm not, I'm not try again. I don't want to disrespect his name, but I, I let's just say I cannot rule out the possibility that trying to uh, scuttle the messy fessy nickname before it gained too much steam was at least part of the motivation here. Yeah, maybe I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he looked around and said, look, there's not a lot of positive portrayals of Muslims on reality TV. And I have a chance to to, uh, do something good here. And from that perspective, shout out to him. Respect. I have no, nothing nasty to say about that. I will say that 
my ultimate burn of the week came from Tori, who I don't think she even meant it as a burn. She was just trying to explain her own frame of mind and the like difficult year that she's had. But the exact words that came out of her mouth were, I see Fessy and he's just a walking, living mistake. <laughs> yeah, she wasn't really trying to burn no. him. But she, I mean? did. but she did. <laughs> <laughs> she sure did. It was hilarious. And, like, you know, as far as the name stuff goes, again, totally with you. Happy for him to give a positive representation of uh, a a Muslim man on television. Um, Totally in for that. But because he's fessy, it also has to come attached to the absurdity of the name's meaning, (laughs) which like is the designer. He, but he, he he actually made decisions in this episode. He did, but he also was forced to acknowledge on multiple occasions that decision maker is probably as ridiculous a name for him <laughs> as any name could be to any person because that is not what he does. I, I love what he's talking about Colleen and he's like, yeah, Colleen's, you know, Colleen is one of the ladies. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and the, the, uh, there was even the one, the, the ITM where the producer is like, he's talking about all the women he's sort of interested in and trying to get to know. And the producer's like, what, what is it that your name means again? <laughs> <laughs> the producers have been like active this season. Yes. Yeah. That, well, I don't even think it's a difference in the producer's level of activity. I think it's just they've decided to show ever so slightly like the producer hand here and there, more so than they have in the past. They've certainly been, um, I don't want to say on camera because you never see them, but you do you hear, hear them in subtitles. And uh, I feel like the first really 35. Yeah. Yeah. The first 35 seasons of the challenge, we never heard a producer. No, 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 not at all. Uh, so the fact that it's like, it seems like every week you get like a little off camera question being lobbed at them. And I think it generally works great. I'm going to guess that that was a reaction to the real world Seattle. That's my guess. Are you a real world buff at all? I'm not a buff, but I remember Seattle because that, uh, that dude hit that lady. The dude hit the lady, but also in that season, right, one of the cast members had an affair with the producer. Right, right. Right, right. he had that breakdown in the car. Like, you dared me apart! Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and I think I think because of that, they really tried to keep the producers away from the talent as much as they could. Which makes sense. <laughs> um, but yeah. obviously, so. we, know they're either, we know they're there in the ITMs always. We just never really got to hear them before. And I think it's kind of cool to, like, especially because – it's generally been a moment where they're like calling a contestant on something absurd or like making fun of them in a clever way. Yeah. And it's like, you know, if you're watching the show enough, you know that the prompting is there when they're doing right, these exactly. Ideas, so we just never got to see it before. Yeah. Uh, 100%. Can we talk about uh, Laurel for a second? Uh, are we just going to talk about the fact that she's under the radar somehow? Well, yeah, I am. I'm disappointed a little bit so far with what I've seen from Laurel this season. And, you know, there was a moment uh, after I believe it was the first round of the elimination where, like, uh, you know, Olivia's still kind of on uh, the high of, like, I can't believe I got fucked over. So I'm going to, you know, <laughs> I'm going to crush some bitches. 
where Laurel just screams out. She's like, that's the energy I like. And I was like, that's the Laurel. I remember like a little bit psychotic, like kind of competitive, kind of competitive, like insanely competitive, wants to crush everyone in her path. And I have just not seen that girl in any of these challenges yet. She just doesn't want to go into elimination yet. Maybe I don't, but like that's never been the kind of game that she's played before. Like she's been intimidating through her dominance in the past, and I'm wondering if that maybe just you know with the layoff, it's she, she doesn't have that same ability, or you know she could be she could like you know because I, I do think um, Faisal is kind of laying low a little bit, trying to lay low a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, and then he got to win. So I like I don't know I I, I I guess she could be like just trying not to get noticed but that's not usually her way you know so uh, no, I mean you're right that that's not usually her way um, but I don't know that I have a problem or not even a problem like I don't that might not be the worst strategy right might not be I'm more scared of Olivia right now I think than I am of Laurel which is the uh, a little I think weird. That's foolish. A little weird. Yeah, but I think that's foolish. Who's your Who's your number one girl in this game right now? If you're If you're picking a winner, if I'm picking a well, I think the question is: Am I ranking performance or am I picking a future winner? Picking a future winner. It's still Laurel. Still Laurel. Okay. Who's I got Casey. I got Casey. Yeah, I mean, I think Laurel, Casey, and Tori are the three. I would pick from, you know, with honorable mention for Olivia. Um, but I, I just wouldn't pick a rookie. There's just a little too much working against her. Well, and um, they're getting thrown every week. Yeah. Uh, but, no, I mean, if when there's still this many people in the game, if you make me pick a winner, I'm just doing a king of the hill in my head, and Laurel still climbs to the top. Um, all right. I hope you're right. I hope you're like, right. You really uh, think uh, if it came uh, down to it, what, what, tell me the elimination Casey beats Laurel at. Oh, I think Casey could beat Laurel at a lot of eliminations. I'd favor just about everything except for like, yeah, uh, hall brawl obviously is one where I wouldn't well, favor. Well, I think any direct physical confrontation I would I don't know. Laurel? I think in a pole wrestle, I think I think I might even Ooh. take Casey in a pole wrestle. Okay, well, I wouldn't. I can see how it would pole wrestle. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm not. Look, and I have a ton of respect for Casey, so I'm not saying it's like a runaway, and it's not it's not insane to say she would beat Laurel in a pole wrestle. But uh, you know, I would still favor like, Laurel. Rugby, right? You know, she, she <laughs> did. But Laurel is a lot bigger and stronger than she is, and and I would add this: Casey's not great at puzzles so i would favor laurel there as well like i it i don't remember how's laurel i don't really remember laurel puzzles to be honest i mean i don't think she's not ct but she's decent so i i I just i still uh, until she you are right that laurel has not done anything to reassert her dominance but until something happens that invalidates her historic dominance i'm sticking with her yeah. All right. I mean, look, my bar is high because I think I think she's as good a female contestant as as, as ever competed. Yes. Yes. And and 
there's no way that someone who'd never watched the challenge before would know that from watching this season. So correct. So I, I hear you and you're not wrong. I'm just not ready. I'm not, I'm not going to confuse inactivity with inability. Anyway, so this is her, uh, she she competed in four seasons before the, oh no, sorry, seven seasons before this, excuse me. I was going to say it felt like more than four. Yeah. Um, she's got 20 daily wins. Nine and two in eliminations. Yeah. I mean, Um, that's the, that's the thing. It's the nine and two, uh, that I still believe in that, but you know, so, so taking ride or dies out. Where she hasn't won any, right? Like she's she's averaging more than three daily wins a season. Yeah, you know. I but I I do wonder if she doesn't. I wonder whether she feels that. First of all, it's partners, so who knows uh, who's slowing the team down? She never even got to do that uh, jump onto the platform thing because Jack had the most spectacular crash and burn. Yeah. So you know, some of it is just her partner isn't as good as she is. And I also think, you know, it's fair to ask the question if you're Laurel and no one wants to see you in an elimination, what's what's the what's the goal of like what do you accomplish by winning a daily challenge in this game? You, other than draw attention to yourself and make some enemies. Uh, well, I don't know about that. I mean, I do think you get to you know, you can like I think Johnny used it well. And I don't think he was scared to be, to, to have the power, you know what I mean? Bananas like or Middlebrooks. A banana, sorry. Yeah, fair enough. Middlebrooks, I would say the opposite. <laughs> yeah, so. um, fair enough. I like you could say that bananas. He certainly did the right thing with the power, and and used it to accomplish something for his own game. And credit to him for that. But I'm not sure. It's a little different for Johnny because he's the biggest target among the vets everywhere he goes. Yeah, like Laurel's not I, a target right now, and she should be. She should right. She should be. Well, there's no who's going to target her though, right? Like the vets are not because they know. And yeah. I just I'm, there's other people. If you're rookies, I feel like. Yeah, um, but that's kind of my point. Like maybe there aren't other people if she is drawing attention to herself by winning. Yeah, maybe. How old do you think Laurel is? How old? Yeah, I would guess like early thirties. She's thirty-seven. Ooh. So I think it's it's fair to wonder, I feel like, a little bit if maybe the athleticism from her peak years is not quite there. You know what I mean? 37. Fair, fair to wonder. 37, 37. yeah. Um, 37. You didn't, you didn't. I, I got that. That was Clark's reference? Yeah. Uh, 36 for Cara Maria. Gosh, I did not realize they were that old. But I guess it makes sense. It's been a while since Fresh Meat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> fresh Meat was a lot. The meat is not that fresh anymore. No. No. <laughs> she was a fresh meat contestant drafted by Kenny. That'll give you an idea of how long ago she was on yeah. the show. Yeah. So there you go. And Cara Maria um, was drafted by Darrell. That's an excellent season, that that fresh meat too. Yeah. Yeah. Fresh meat was a was a landmark for this uh both the, the uh fresh meats I think were landmarks yeah. for for the show. Um yeah. All right. Um so I don't know. I hope to see more from Laurel. Like I'm obviously I'm not killing her, but I, I I've been I've been surprised at uh, how she has not been a very impactful player in the game. To well, this and point. it's not. Listen, it's not. Given that she is 37, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that she's you know 
specifically trying to avoid any attention because maybe she's not as confident in her dominance as she once was. Yep. Could right? be. I mean, part of the reason she won dailies in the past, I think, is because she had an attitude of like, I'll win everything because fuck you. You want to try me, try me. <laughs> like, I don't worry about targets on my back because, you know, none of you have a gun big enough. Um, <laughs> so if she doesn't feel that way anymore, maybe that's part of her strategy. Uh, all right. So who's your MVP for this week? I, I want to make it Olivia again. Is that wrong? No, I mean, I think it's fair. I mean, I kind of want to give it to Tori, but, it you know, it's for non-competitive reasons. Yeah, that's yeah. okay. We, we support that on this show. Um, and I, I, I will say, to Jordan's credit, he handled himself extremely well over the course of this episode, both as the ex-boyfriend of Tori and as the new partner of Anissa. I thought... It felt in in almost every way like a, a more mature, more emotionally controlled Jordan, and uh, I, I I don't know totally whether that serves him well <laughs> as a competitor, but it seems like he's a better person. Yeah, I um, you know I I I mean I think we saw a peak of this. In uh, the uh, last season of All Stars, but I, I I do really think he's he's grown up a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Since some of his earlier seasons on the show, just and not even anything he did specifically, just the way he talks. You know yep. what I mean? And the consideration he has for uh, you know the people that he cares about. Well, just um, just the fact that he has the ability to be literally considerate, because as a young man in this game. Um, you know, if we define considerate as considering the feelings and opinions of others, he just literally didn't do it. Yeah, yeah, he just gave zero fucks. <laughs> he never did it ever for anyone. Um, so yeah, I, no, he's definitely more mature, and you can see it just from the way he speaks because he speaks like someone who has considered that there's a human being on the other side of what he's saying, as opposed to just speaking literally however he wants to everyone at all times. Um, <laughs> although I will say. Like, he had this line in an ITM that came out as a brutal burn to Anissa, despite the fact that he was trying to be respectful, because it was just so <laughs> condescending, where he was like, gosh, she really needs a win, and you know what? I'm going to help her. <laughs> like, all right, buddy. Yeah. yeah. Jordan to the rescue. So it's not all gone. But he's a much more mature individual, and I think just even just the way he spoke to Tori when she was drunkenly pouring her heart out to him uh, reflected that. Yeah, um, 100%. I, a couple other notes I want to clean up. Uh, <laughs> Nelson's losing streak is the best joke on this show, and I'm so glad that they keep bringing it up. Uh, yeah. Now, like, his partner is making fun of him. It's just great. And he's playing it well too, with just yes. the right amount of annoyance about the whole thing, Correct. which I think is, which is also great. And Nelson talking about how he loves love. Yeah, <laughs> love, uh, Nelly love, T yeah. is uh, <laughs> like a, a hard guy not to enjoy on TV. Like if Agreed. if that guy doesn't make you happy, it, you know, look it, look inward. Agreed. He's like he's always coming. You know, he's it doesn't always work out for him. And, nope. You know, he's going to do some dumb stuff, but yep. he's always coming from the right place with his heart. And, like, uh, you know, if there's a more loyal guy on television than Nelly T. There's not. Uh, yeah. You don't I'd even like to... have to finish that. There's not a more loyal guy on television than Nelly <laughs> T. And, by the way, like, 
he is 100% the guy that you can count on to do something that he's going to have to apologize for, but he's 100% going to apologize, you know? Yep. And I can respect that, even if it's not likely to result in a challenge championship. I can respect that when he has to apologize, he he does it, and he does it pretty well, and he means it. Uh, So shout out Nelson and his losing streak. Uh, One last thing. When they were talking about Fessel, the decision maker, and all the ladies that he's been hopping into bed with, didn't this show begin with Michelle and Jay saying they were dating? I don't recall that. No? And I'm not saying it didn't happen, but I don't recall that. <laughs> okay. All right. Maybe that maybe that was just me, but I could have sworn the first episode they talked about dating but maybe they just like talked about being partners in a way that confused yeah. me or something i don't know and not only that i don't feel like he likes her that much like he likes her obviously like they're they're ride or dies and they're working together but like it doesn't seem like he's not blind to her flaws i'll put it that way <laughs> no well he certainly wasn't blind to her like nutty carrying on in the house uh, uh last week but yeah the, the whole michelle and fessy thing struck me as bizarre uh, you know, for that and other reasons. Um, yeah. Well, I always think it's bizarre anytime someone um, wants to hook up with uh, Faisal, but it keeps happening. So. It sure does. It sure does. <laughs> season after season at this point. So I'm, you know, I'm not going to question it. I mean, I think I'm still going to question it, but I won't doubt him. <laughs> 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 All right, fair enough. <laughs> I would say it's questionable, but I but I I'm not going to doubt his ability. Um by the way, Colleen I don't know if it's the accent or the fact that she lied about what show she was on, but even when she's like talking to her partner who I assume she's not lying to, I don't believe a thing that comes out of that girl's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I just every single thing she says, I'm like, nah, not buying it. I'm not under her spell at all. I gotta say, no, no, doesn't, doesn't do a lot for me. No, I mean, I'm not. She's not a bad looking girl, but like the Fessy's like, oh, she's the most beautiful woman I've ever seen, and I don't see it. Yeah, no, no, not seeing it, not seeing it. There's a that not not the most beautiful freshman woman in this class, as far as I'm concerned. Um, but that's me. No, I all think right. we agree. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to sit here and ogle all the female contestants for you guys. <laughs> all I right, that on my own time, for God's sake. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's what the internet's for. Um, <laughs> do we uh, we have anything else we want to add about the challenge? Are you good? I'm, um, I'm so about this episode and 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 has me more excited about the season to come. I agree. Uh, there is one thing that we haven't talked about that I. May I, I may just be forgetting, and I don't like to Google these things once the show is on because it's one th- like it's one thing for me to see a slight spoiler in the you know two months before it comes on because I won't remember, but I don't want to accidentally encounter any spoilers, so I haven't sort of re-Googled. But isn't basically everyone we knew about? in the cast here? Uh, 
it, it depends on how you define here because to, you know, uh, Darrell and, and Veronica have not been introduced yet, but they're walking oh, out. Oh, that's who it is. Okay. I, I had forgotten about Darrell and Veronica. So that's who we're about to bump into. Cause yes. I was going to say, do we know, but we do, we do. And All you right. can, you can tell that the, per, the person in behind is, uh, Significantly shorter than the person in front when you watch them. <laughs> so it's definitely so, them. So, it, yeah, it's, it's very clearly them. Man, talking, I, a, talking about ages, uh, that's an elderly team. Yeah, I mean, Veronica in particular. I mean, I think Darrell's right there, right? But, but Veronica's, you know, semester, Road Rules Semester at Sea, you know, was, was her original show, so. I think uh, they both might be like what? 44. Let's see. Well, I can I can tell you. Uh, I Veronica, Veronica is 44. Is 44, yep. And Darrell uh, has hidden his age on the internet a little better. Uh, Darrell is 42. Okay. I mean, that's 86 years of team right there. Yeah, that's sure got to be. That, like, that is leading the house. I'm I'm quite confident. Yo, a combined total? I don't think there's any question. Like but you that, knew that going in. I don't know right. if anybody else even gets to 80. Uh, I can't imagine they do. I mean, unless Jack is shockingly old. Bananas and Nanny would no, be... No, Nanny's not 40. That, Nanny's only 33, yeah, yeah, so that's not happening. Yeah, and I don't uh, think Bananas is even 40 yet. Oh, is he not? I could have, I figured Bananas would be right around 40. I think he's... Well, he's definitely... Oh, he's exactly 40 as of a few months ago. Um, so yeah, that might be the second oldest combined team, but holy Moses, Darrell and Veronica is legit old. That's a legit old team. Yeah. Anissa and Jordan are 74 combined. Yeah. Cause Jordan's is still in his early. He's, 30, he's 33. Yeah. So, um, I, I'm going to guess there's probably second <laughs> in this, um, behind bananas and. No, I think old. I think um, bananas is forty, right? Yeah. So Anisa and Jordan are seventy four, and bananas and Anisa are oh, seventy three. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah. Um. So yeah, good for them, <laughs> and good for Anisa at forty one, man. Dude, shout out Anisa, man. I, it, yeah, As she put herself in a situation where she knew there'd be pressure too, because whether Jordan's being nice or not, that's a team that that brings pressure to the table. Yep. Yep. Um, I, I, I'm really excited to see where this goes. Me too. Uh, all right, let's um, let's do some homework. Let's do it. Uh, we've got a, an interesting variety of of stuff. Um, we're gonna start with the Stranger, which is Netflix, correct? It is. Yes, it's a film it starring Joel Edgerton uh, about an undercover cop. Yep. Try to look decent. Yeah. On that one. Uh, the White Lotus is back for season two, and obviously this one is a. Uh, uh, I'm very curious to see, obviously, what they do with this. We all love the White Lotus, yeah. You know but what I mean? this but is obviously something sort of to recreate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and I think it'll be very interesting to see what. What's the right way to ask this question? What does it mean to be a season of the White Lotus? Because. Yeah. Everything has changed with the single exception of Jennifer Coolidge appearing in the show. Basically. Like, can you do it in a murder mystery? You know what I mean? Like, is that an essential thing that it's, you right. know what I mean? I mean, obviously, it's a bunch of people at a hotel with like a 
very um, buzzy cast. But other than that, what does it mean to be a season of the White Lotus? Does it mean it's a murder mystery? Does it mean, you know, like what what is in the show Bible, I guess, sort of is, yeah, is the question that's interesting. I don't know that you can keep killing people at luxury hotels. <laughs> no, probably it, you're probably stopping it too if that's the hook. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So Certainly, very, you can't keep so killing people at luxury hotels where Jennifer Coolidge happens to be staying. <laughs> that would be amazing, though. That's just what it was. Um, all right. In like uh, the in the sixth one, she's just going everywhere I go, murder. Yeah, just I keep, I keep running into murders. Maybe that's it. Maybe she's the watcher. There you go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. Uh, by the way, White Lotus is on HBO Max if you hadn't figured that out. And also regular HBO, of course, as well, too. Um, and Every then, time uh, you say that, because you know, because of this distinction, we now have tell you if it's on regular or max um but every time you say regular hbo i think of the dave chappelle line that it's not hbo it's just regular ass tv <laughs> regular ass hbo that's what i'll call yeah, it from it's regular, regular ass hbo uh all right we're gonna watch inside man um that is another uh netflix uh mini series what would i guess you would call well, it really it's a bbc series um it just is dropping on netflix uh in the u.s this week correct it's multiple episodes of television um but uh but not like 12 yeah, it's four <laughs> it's, it's four four Swims. episodes of television that aired on bbc uh, a few months ago i believe Indeed. And then last but not least, uh, The Good Nurse, um, which um, it stars, uh, let's see here, it stars Jessica Chastain, Eddie Redmayne, our man Namdi Asimov is in this, um, uh, and uh, a bunch of other people. It uh, it sort of is a similar plotline to the Dr. Death show we talked about a few years ago where there's... Uh, but it seems to be Dr. more about the people... Trying to discover and stop the doctor, as opposed to about the doctor, right? Is that my understanding? I would say, I would say that's fair. That's fair. Uh, so, and that we're is speculating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Because we haven't seen neither one of us has seen it, so we don't know what we're talking about. Um, but uh, but it looks interesting. Looks good. So yes. I'm excited about that. And also right. a movie, also on Netflix. Correct. Uh, real quick, did you uh, watch the dragons this week? No. I'm 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 behind on not. the freaking dragons. I gotta finish the freaking dragons. All right. I was I was uh, too busy watching Raymond and Ray and Top Gun Maverick. I had more homework than you this week, you know. You did. You did. And we look, we talked about it last week, so I don't know that we need to get into it uh big time, but I'd be curious to see if, if uh if your thoughts have changed at all with the official end of this season. I will commit to you that by next time we speak, I will have watched the final episode or two of the dragon and be ready to tell you exactly how mediocre I thought it was. I will say it's going to be weird Sunday night when it's like, you know. White Lotus is back, Sunday dude. Night. Nothing mm-hmm. to worry about. Yeah, you're right. I'll be right in on that. It'll, It'll be, be fine. fine. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. All right, I think we're done here. Okay, bye. This game's in the Admiral refrigerator. The door is closed. The light's out. Butter's getting hard. The eggs are cooling, and the jello is jiggling. So long, everybody. And do me a favor. Have yourself a tremendous evening.